What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You Podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. I know you have the time because we're all quarantined, practicing safe social distancing. If you can, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, write us a review. Those reviews are so important to the algorithm, really ups us on the charts, and hopefully more people can listen to the episode, and hopefully this podcast can help more people overcome their life challenges that they're currently going through. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Onnit. We don't know how long this social distancing is going to go. We don't know how long this quarantine is going to go. Is it going to go to the end of April? Is it going to go to the end of May? Nobody knows, but the one thing we do know is we have to stay active and we have to stay healthy. Get yourself over to onnit.com slash OCY. Save 10% on kettlebells, battle ropes, uh, maces, supplements, vitamins, get yourself some alpha brain, get yourself some shroom tech, stay active, stay healthy during this quarantine to the best of your ability. Go over to onnit.com slash O-C-Y and save up to 10%. That's onnit.com slash O-C-Y. My guest today is UFC fighter Ashley the Rebel Girl Evan Smith. She was a absolute joy to talk to. She's overcome so many things to get to her level of success. She's a UFC fighter. She's a model. She's now doing movies. She's got an amazing, cool podcast coming out titled Sex and Violence with Rebel Girl. But uh, we got real and we talked about overcoming some childhood traumas. We talked about overcoming some things that landed her in juvie in her younger years and how she overcame that. We talk about self-image issues and how to deal with being ruthlessly critical of yourself, but not judgmental. And this girl is just a true joy to talk to. She's a badass in the ring, but she has a heart of gold. And you are going to love this podcast and love how open and transparent and how big her heart is. And I think her heart not only has leveled her up and propelled her to success, but also gets her through some of the wars that she's been through, not only in the ring and in life. Oh, and one of the things, sorry about the audio, at about minute 13 and minute 34 or 37, it cuts out only for like 10, 15 seconds or so. It doesn't cut out, just gets a little cattywampus in there. It was just one of the first podcasts that we recorded while being under quarantine, so we were just figuring everything out. So please welcome my awesome guest today, UFC fighter, Ashley Evans-Smith. Ashley Evans-Smith, UFC fighter, how are you doing? Thank you for taking the time during this awkward situation that we're in to come on the Overcoming You podcast. I really do appreciate it. No problem. I know times are crazy with COVID-19 and everybody being quarantined, but what else can we do besides talk to each other through the phone or <laughs> social yeah. media? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I'm probably going to get shit for this, but as I go out for walks or do my runs or something. One thing that's the silver lining that I'm seeing is everybody's really, really friendly. I'm seeing a lot more, hey, how's it going? Or, hey, how are you holding up? You know, just random people in my neighborhood that I don't see very often as I take out the trash. You know, so I feel in a weird way it's kind of bringing us closer together, even though we have isolation. But how are you holding up through everything? Are you able to train or how are you working out or how are you getting through it mentally? How are you feeling? I wish I could say the same, that uh, people are more friendly. But I'm seeing, uh, social distancing and also in California and actually Las Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas right now. Uh, friend's house. Uh, we had to pick some things up. But uh, in both places, it's a little more, 
you can sense the, um, I, I don't know if it's fear, but there's just a little more of like a, a negative energy where every, everybody's on edge and anticipating what's going to happen next. And it's not a good feeling. And um, people are taking it more seriously in Las Vegas than they are in California. California, you definitely see more people on the beach and stuff yeah. like that. Las Vegas here, you know, the strip is completely empty, no traffic. Um, and uh, I mean, I think it's, best to to act like las vegas is but unfortunately i have to go back to california because that's where i live and as far as how i'm doing with the whole situation um i'm actually doing very very well just because i i've put a few um rules in place every day i get up early and i make a list of things to keep me busy and feel accomplished at the end of the day i always work out once a time once a day whether it's going for a run or working out in my small small garage gym um and you know i know that i have a social media platform that i can use to help the situation so i've been trying to either do a live video or make a post about kind of staying positive and giving back to others whether it's giving blood or donating clothes or something like that or checking on your friends so the whole ordeal is um, different and uncomfortable in the sense that, you know, I didn't get a fight over in London. I guess we could talk about that later. But as far as like, you know, daily life, um, I've been adapting really, really well. I have my boyfriend, so I'm not completely alone and we're quarantined against most other people. But uh, yeah, it's it's with with all circumstances considered, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. It's um the first few days for me were really it was really good. I was very diligent in my schedule. And then the last two days, just for me mentally, it's just been really, really difficult. And so sat down with my wife yesterday and we're just going to start reaching out and doing Facebook group um, lives with friends and hanging out a little bit more. And I'm going to be a little bit more diligent in my schedule because if I have something to do and I just map that out, like you said, it sounds like you're doing, I'm able to get through the day a little bit easier and I know those first two days I was very diligent and then I just kind of fell off for some odd reason because my mental state went a little bit crazy but now I'm back at it so I'm glad that somebody else is doing some similar things and keeping schedules and keeping active because I think that's really really valuable yeah yeah I agree so yeah so you had a fight set in if I'm not mistaken it's kind of humorous but it was kind of a meatball versus vegan over in London, and it was actually supposed to be on the 21st, and then this whole thing happened, and they said, nope, you're out of there. So did they just, how'd you find out about that? Did you just find out, wake up one morning, like, oh, I'm out, or they tell you, or well, ship you out, or what happened? Take a very long, elaborate story short, you know, because um, I think we have a, quite a few things we want to talk about. I was set to fight March 21st in London. I flew out a week early. I landed Friday, which was this past Friday, and... Um, you know, had a whole week to prepare, but Saturday morning I woke up with, with, you know, 12 hours, maybe, you know, total of being there eight hours sleeping. <laughs> so not a lot of time of actual consciousness, um, woke up to a phone call from the UFC saying that travel bans are about to go in place and we need to get you back to the, the States ASAP. So they booked me a flight and flew me back. This was all, you know, not foreseen by the UFC, obviously not foreseen by the world at all, but, uh, and they were doing their best job to keep me updated, um, you know, hour by hour, but obviously I was in the air and all these things were going on. So at first I heard the fight was off 
And so I started eating, you know, and for someone who, um, you know, has to cut weight and uh, to make a weight class, uh, that was a big thing for me. I'm in the air and then, or I'm getting on the plane and then my manager calls me and he's told that the fight's going to be on, but at a unknown location with an unknown opponent. So then I start stressing because I've already started to take in calories that I shouldn't have been. Um, and then I land and I found out that they don't know where. Um, but in less than a week, I'll be fighting somewhere at some location and maybe a catch weight now. And so for two days, I kind of, you know, tried to work out, but all the gyms were closed and held my breath. And, um, you know, the UFC gave me a call about Monday afternoon and let me know that the fight was completely off um, indefinitely. So um, it was just a roller coaster of emotions. You know, I can't be mad at the UFC or anyone because it's it's no one's fault, but it's disheartening, heartbreaking, you know, four, four or five months of solid training. And then obviously when I, if I don't fight, I don't get paid. So that's, um, a lot of losses. Yeah. What a whirlwind. Like you said, what a up and down roller coaster. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Um, so there's a few things that in doing some research and talking to some friends of mine about voucher that I think we kind of connect on. And I'm really excited to talk to you because I'm always interested in, talking to people that are kind of cut from similar cloths. So I wanted to kind of start off. So you and I, from what I understand, both aren't very close with our families. And just to kind of give you a little bit of background from me, just so, because we're just meeting for the first time today, is, you know, my dad was extremely physical and verbally abusive. And then my mom left me at a liquor store when I was eight. And I had a lot of resentment from having such a difficult childhood growing up. So I totally stepped back and kind of stepped away from them. Um, can you give the listeners a little bit of a background of kind of what you went through and kind of how you've overcome? And have you used that as a positive fuel or negative fuel to push you? Yeah, um, it's definitely a heavy, you know, personal question. But I pride myself in being very transparent with my personal life and especially my background because I believe, like I said earlier, it's up this platform it's important and and very very nice for me to to kind of give a little bit of hope to people who have you know like you or someone else you know who may, might be struggling and thinking they're alone but you know um i've made it to a top level of my sport <clears throat> i've graduated with my college degree um you know i've done a lot of things that i'm very proud of and all coming from you know a rougher family background and what happened to me was i grew up in a small town in uh, northern california ukiah california and uh uh, there's just there's a lot of drug use in the town in general. I think that happens a lot with small towns, nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. And so um, on my you know father's and mother's side, there was heavy drug drug use in the family. And, uh, you know, there was no I'm very grateful to the fact there was no abuse, that kind of situation, mm -hmm. you know, like. And so I try to look at the silver linings. But as I got older, you know, I start realizing that there was a lot of neglect where, you know, kids are left to, you know, be kids, but you get into a lot of trouble. And I did. And, you know, um, I think you already, you alluded to the fact that you heard um, in another interview that I was, you know, went, spent some time in juvie <laughs> yeah. um, be because I was left to my own devices as a child a lot. And uh, so, I mean, I was never abused physically and that, and so I'm very grateful, but um, I ended up getting into a lot of trouble because I was, you know, left to kind of fend for myself, um, Kind of like, you know, I'd say, you know, I had food on the table here, in, you know, in that sense. But um, 
I ended up kind of like finding solace and in, in a family and uh, in a punk rock uh, friendship kind of community. And, you know, we'd go to punk shows and drink and do all that. I never got into drugs because I didn't want to be like some of my family members, but I, I got into drinking very, very heavy at a very young age. You know, I first, my first drink was at 13 and was drinking heavily by 14. Um, blacking out regularly in high school um by 16 which was ironic and kind of weird because i was living this double life where i was i started wrestling in high school at 15 as well became a state champion so i would you know wrestle throughout the week and then on the weekend i would just party my butt off and get blacked out and get into you know not get into trouble until my senior year i would get away with a lot of things but do troublemaker type things as a kid um and my senior year it all kind of came crashing down um i uh got blacked out drunk and actually sounds sounds intense no matter how many times i say it even though it happened so many years ago but when i was 17 i uh, ended up being blacked out drunk and stabbing um a guy that i got into a fight with and so fast forward i end up in juvie and i had already acquired a uh, wrestling scholarship that i was supposed to use that you know that next school semester and um you know all that kind of stemmed i'd say from just a lot of neglect from the family and all of that you know um just a weird situation i mean if that kind of sums it up for you yeah for sure do you think the reason why you've excelled is that there's a little bit of part of you is trying to prove something to somebody or prove something to your parents like hey look what look what you missed out on or look look what uh, you didn't have or didn't get a chance to know very well <laughs> That's a really good question. And that seems like a question that if I was um, smarter, um, I probably would have heard or been asked from some kind of psychologist or therapist, but I'm maybe the only person <laughs> who's actually never gone to therapy. Um, as as I got older and started kind of being more open with my background and you know, how I, my feelings and that kind of stuff and asking other friends and, and you know people in my industry, I've realized that a therapist and a psychologist is, is a very normal, common thing. Yes. And um so I, I, that's something that, you know, definitely I would like to invest in uh, mm-hmm. eventually, you know, I'm 32 and I <laughs> kind of like, I, I've taken the the mindset like, well, what's, what's done is done. The damage is done, you know, <laughs> right. like I just got to deal, deal with these demons. But at the same time, like um, this year has been a really, really um, a transformative year for me mentally. And um, I, I really, I really would like to dive into maybe some, you know, therapist sessions and all that, because even though it, it seems scary, I think, uh, it would help out in the end. But uh, to answer your question, I don't know. I really don't know. And I get a lot of credit from people who hear my background story or even have been to my shitty small town. (laughs) Uh, And they're like, wow, congrats. And I'm like, what? Because, I mean, to me, it's not a big deal. It's all I've ever known. And um, all I really knew was... I never wanted to end up stuck in my small town and um, I was ready to leave that town any way possible. And um, thank goodness I got a scholarship to go to college to wrestle. And that was my way out. And I, and I took it and I, and I rode with it. I almost lost it. um, But I served my juvie time like a big girl. And then um, I began my, my college career and pretty much had a lot of success after that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, one of the coolest things that I've been able to, see or witnessed, especially doing this podcast, is talking to elite individuals of all walks of life like yourself, is so many times we do or you folks do something so great and you look back and you just kind of go, well, I don't know any other way, any other way to do it. And, but the thing is, it's, I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know if you can 
put your finger on it, but I haven't been able to figure out a clue in on it is because you and I both know that there's so many other people that were in your exact same position that were just as talented, that went through just as many trials and tribulations, if not more, and they took a left turn while you took a right turn. You know, they went down a bad road, but you ended up elevating yourself and continued and become a success. And I can't figure out how that happens because it's so interesting because I have like a spitting image brother of mine that went down a really bad path and just a just not a very good person. But yet I feel I took a right turn. I feel you and I took a right turn. So many other folks that have been on this podcast took a right turn and ended up succeeding. And I just wonder have you ever been able to look back and go, how did you make that right turn versus going left? Like, how did you zig versus zag? Yeah, that's a great question and something that I think about often because, weirdly, you and I are even more similar. I have a brother who's 64 days younger than I. She's uh, light. I'm July 9th, you know, and um, just we are the most opposite humans in the world. And, you know, he kind of, uh, I love him with all my heart. You know, just um, thinking if he's not on social media or anything. He's stuck in our and he's been um, caught up with a lot of things that our family got caught up with. And um, I took a right turn, he took a left turn. He's kind of a perfect example of how you can either kind of use it as an excuse, like, well, this is all I ever knew, or you can use it as fuel to not be like that and, and, um, and take that right turn so I do ask myself you know I think to myself is it just luck you know because you know we were you're a product of I totally believe that people are a product of their environment not using that as an excuse but sometimes you look at someone and you find out their background and you go ah I see I see <laughs> it makes a lot of sense you know um so I I I and I and I know I'm lucky and at the same time but I, I have worked hard for it but like, I just, I don't know if it's something that's in our genetics, you know, kind of like for me, I, I, I talk to children at, um, at troubled youth programs often. Um, oh, cool. and I, and I really enjoy kind of telling my story because all my troubles started as a youth, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I would like to give them a little bit of hope and let them know that like everything when you're young seems like it's the end of the world when it's bad, yes. but I let them know that there's so much more to look forward to and uh in suicide rates of young people have increased oh um God. greatly um, i don't know if i'm doing any you know benefit I, I don't know if it's it's doing anything but at the same time it's worth a shot for me so yeah. when i talk to them and i let them know that you know you can go one of two ways you know i tell them kind of like for me one of my, I said, is I ask, I ask him, I say, anybody here, they ever been told if you, that you're stubborn mm -hmm. and 99% of the time, all the kids will raise their hands. And I tell them, I said, that's good. People always say being stubborn is bad, yeah. but if you learn how to use your stubbornness in the right way. It's they, it, it changes into a positive connotation, meaning a good thing. And that's called tenacity. Yes. And you have tenacity people now say, wow, that person won't give up. So if you focus all that stubbornness on something positive, and what I did was uh, wrestling and all that, I said I was stubborn and I didn't want to give up. You know, I kept losing to boys on a, on a high school wrestling team. I was stubborn. I was stubborn. And then yeah. finally, 
it paid off and, and you just see these kids faces and they're like, Oh, I'm stubborn. I get told that a lot. <laughs> <You know? Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if it, um, you know, me being a stubborn kid and my brother kind of being more like, well, I'm going to go with the flow. I mean, I don't know. I right. don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well that's something else that we connect on. Cause I too work with a company or I have worked with a company in the past called pure games who works with at risk youth and was able to give them a talk to them. And actually, I was able to talk to them about my um, suicide attempt and how I got there. And you touch on something that I preach on this podcast all the time, and which is why I, one of the major reasons why I do this podcast is to hopefully help people that are going through those times or going through those mental times to overcome and through stories like yours. And one of the things you alluded to with the suicide rate, one of the biggest statistics that breaks my freaking heart is that little girls ages 11 to 16, their suicide attempt rates have tripled over the last five years. And yeah. it's just so, that's why another reason why I wanted to have someone like you, you on because you're an elite athlete, you're a model, you're a freaking movie star now, you were just in a movie <laughs> pretty recently. But the thing yeah. is, is I want people to hear that, hey, you had a shit roll of the dice. There's no way around it. I don't mean it disrespectful. I don't mean it. I say it with love and kindness. You got a shit roll of the dice. However, you played those dice. You played the hand that was given to you. And you used those those trials and tribulations as fuel to succeed. And like I said, I don't think you and I, or maybe at least it's just me, haven't figured out how to put our finger on it. But I think the more times people can hear stories like yours, and maybe they're sitting there, maybe they're not making good decisions. Maybe they're not feeling good. Maybe they say, oh my God, my family's crap and my brother's this or my sister's that and can hear your story and see how far you've come and how much you've overcome i think there's so much value into that and i just thank you again for coming on the podcast being able to be transparent because i think it's just really really needed in today's society outside of the current pandemic that we're going on right now so i just appreciate it no problem no problem i agree with you 100 percent. and i think when people's stories get told in a safe place like this it um it allows for other people to to realize that you know they're not alone and and that feeling is a feeling that can save lives so yep. it's good yeah which quote unquote which failure do you think you've learned most from the actions that got you into juvie or that your first loss in the UFC? Um, those are two um, pivotal turning points in my life. Like, really, like I you, so. I can tell you have done your research. And, um, awesome. you know, a lot of interviews I do are kind of like cookie cutter fighter interviews, yada, yada. Um, but if you like, you, like I said, if you do your research and you dig a little bit deeper um, to the kind of more hard hitting, um, you know, personal interviews, I'm very open with my, mm -hmm. my you know, uh, teenage years. And um, I'm also very open with uh, how I felt and kind of went going into a little bit of a depression after my first UFC loss. Um, I've been in the media for good stuff, for bad stuff, you know, um, and, and I'm still, I like, I would like to think that I have thick skin, but at the end of the day, I am a very sensitive person, yeah. emotional. Um, but at the same time, you know, me being so passionate and emotional has got me very, very far in my sport, you know? So, yeah. um, learning to hone those emotions are 
a lifelong process for me. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I know that about myself. It take, took me my entire um, young childhood and adult years to realize that. And, and like I said, this year, earlier in the, in the episode, I said this year um, has been, since I turned 32, has been a transformative beginning, you know, like stages of a very, very transformative um, uh, mindset change for me. And so, you know, I, uh, I'd say it started with the juvie situation because you know i as a kid you think you're invincible and you think that everything is now 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 and you don't really think too much about the future and you know when i was partying and and then wrestling and i would party hard and i would you know uh, wrestle and win all these matches and i wanted to be the best at everything i wanted to be the best wrestler and i also wanted to be the best drinker (laughs) and i was doing great for a minute and then it all caught up to me my senior year when i blacked out and you know just you know had a pocket knife on me because you know someone had happened to hand it to me and just you know the universe was like look i really i believe that the universe was I'm I'm actually very happy that I, I mean, gosh, I'm, this quote is going to be very, very, hopefully never taken out of context, but mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy that I stabbed that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds weird, but um, I was given a chance early, in my early, you know, juvenile years to make a change, and I did. And so when I, you know, blacked out and I stabbed that guy, went to juvie, it was a, a wake-up call for me. It was like, look, if you continue to go on the path that you're going, you're going to be in jail, dead, or stuck near a small town and end up like the people that you never wanted to end up like. Um, and so um, I did my time. I had a lot of time to sit, sit in juvie and think. Um, but I got out, and I and I kept my scholarship. The judge was amazing. It was a female judge who um, gave me a few stipulations about coming back and serving the remainder of my time during my uh, freshman year, which sounds crazy, but I am so grateful because I would have lost my scholarship. Um, and I... And it just, it changed my entire life. It, I was going towards the left. And when that happened, I took a hard right. I was sober all four years through college. I was a senior representative. I was um, in the horror film club. I was a resident assistant, meaning I was an RA who looked over other people and got free room and board, you know, because, you know, uh, I, my family doesn't have money. And so it, I really, really, really am happy that that happened early on. Yeah. You know, and um, I, yeah, it was just the best thing that could have happened to me. I know that sounds weird, no. but sometimes life life gives you a speed bump that at the time you cannot imagine why. And then later in life, you realize that if you wouldn't have slowed down, you would have crashed into the wall. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's something that I've just now, I'm 37 years old, and I, especially through this podcast and having the honor to talk to individuals like you and everybody else that's been on the podcast and outside of it. I've come to realize that every great man or great person has always had some immense strife or immense trials and tribulations. And during the time you go, why, woe is me? Why is this happening? I can't believe this is it. But without you going through that and having that, that issue, without me you know, having that shotgun in, in my mouth, we would not have had the opportunity to help so many other people so it's it's a weird dichotomy, almost because of the depth and despair that you went through. You've been able to come back full force on the opposite side and help so many other people. But it's, I mean, it's such like a gnarly deep cut in you. 
But it's almost like if that didn't happen, I don't think that you would, if you didn't do that or if you didn't have that up, upbringing, I don't think you'd be a UFC fighter. I don't think you would be as good as you, you are today. And you know maybe, what? Maybe you I, are. I, I'm I not know. Sure. I know, I know I wouldn't, I know I wouldn't, I really, I really know that. And, you know, I know this is a weird thing to say, but me having that situation happen to me and serve the juvie time, when I now go talk to these kids, you know, a lot of them are initially disrespectful yeah. and, um, and very disrespectful. They don't care. They're not paying attention. And then, uh, I, I show them like a little two minute clip of like my fighting. And most of the time the, the boys go, Ooh, ah, you know, <laughs> and then, um, and the girls, you can tell they're still kind of like, whatever. And then I tell my story. And as soon as I tell them, yeah, so what happened was I stabbed this guy and then like my street cred or whatever yeah. goes up <laughs> and all eyes are locked, all ears are on, they're attentive and and they just realize like okay, she's messed up. Yes. You know, she has messed up in her past and she's not some person just just coming in here saying, "Look kids, you know, don't do drugs" or you know like right. and so it makes me relatable and then I honestly can feel that I'm getting through to them more because they respect me because of what I've been through. And yeah. so if anything, you know, that's one silver lining to my past. And, um, and I'm just trying to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons that I was giving, yep, you know, for sure. Yeah. You know, I think all of us, I think some of us, as we grow older, get old into our adult lives. But I think as a kid, I think you could smell the bullshit off of somebody when you come in and they're, I mean, you can dress in a suit or dress in a gown, doesn't make a difference. When you come in and you try to try to do a talk or you try to connect with somebody and you're trying to project this persona of perfection, I think most people are turned off by that. They need to see a little crack, especially with those types of kids, because I think once you start to talk about your story, they, they see them in you and then go, okay, now I'm in. Okay, Ashley, you're, you know what the fuck you're talking about. You've been through some shit. I'm going through some shit. Okay, now let's talk. So I think it's just so so valuable and the thing that i'm trying to figure out now is knowing that those trials and tribulations make you better when i go through them now now i'm trying to figure out okay this is a real fucked up situation this isn't good how can i make this better because i know this is going to help me in the long run if i use it appropriately and i think that kind of works out to kind of what we're going through now is that yes we're quarantine yes we have a pandemic but i think it's a tool it's a hammer you can use this time and this hammer to hammer in the nail or you can use this time to hit your eyeball with a hammer and knock your eye out you know it's a tool just how you use it and so i think the more times we can figure out during those trials and tribulations times like okay we're just in a down valley let's figure out how can we use this to our benefit so six months from now we look back and go hey that really helped me that was a shitty time but i did some good tactics, some good things, listen to some positive reinforcement, whatever it is, and I use that for good along the way. So I think it's just an interesting kind of balance. Um, yeah, I agree. One thing that I that I wanted to ask you, and I'm trying to figure this out as well, So, and I think you, so you're a, an elite athlete, you're in the limelight, you're a UFC fighter, you do modeling, like I said, you're in movies now. How do you deal with the delicate balance of being ruthlessly self-critical, which I think is good because I think that's how you get better. You know, when you watch your fight, you go, oh, I didn't turn my hand over. I didn't turn my hips over in that kick. But ruthlessly critical, but not judgmental. And I don't mean to be, um, 
I'm not trying to virtue signal or I'm not trying to be chauvinistic or whatever, but I think that's gals definitely have to deal with that more, especially with the body image issues. So how do you be critical about yourself, but not judgmental? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. There's a fine line between negative self-talk and uh, pushing yourself and motivating yourself to, to be better. And I struggle with it all the time. And I'm told by a lot of my, you know, close friends and teammates and coaches that I am my own worst critic. You know, I'll hear a compliment and I'll say, no, 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 no. Whether it's about my image or about my skill set, um, I've always been very hard on myself. I still am. Um, I'm learning to love myself and give myself a little bit more credit. But sometimes I do. And I think to myself like, oh, you're narcissistic, you yes. know, and and it's this crazy back and forth struggle because I pride myself on being humble. I pride myself on setting a good example um, as best I can. And, you know, so like I said earlier, I controlling my emotions. It's definitely my, my biggest down, down, you know, um, flaw. Um, it's, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle because at the same time, um, giving yourself, you know, setting the bar really, really high and almost never achieving what your goals, um, makes you always have that fire you're always yeah. always you know grinding and go always you know trying to be better and better and better and and while everybody else are achieving their goals and and plat and kind of like uh you know feeling stagnant and plateauing and being like well i did it you're setting higher ones and in higher ones and trying to keep you know and then and then yeah. you surpass them but the bad thing is you almost always feel um a, a lack of accomplishment yeah. because you didn't reach the next goal and and so i it, that's a really great question. And yeah. um, I think the only times I really stop it and try to give myself credit is when someone who loves me says, hey, you're doing good. You you are great. You're good at this. This, you know, look, take a stop. Look at all everything you've done. And I'm like, no, no, but I could have done this. I could have done yeah. that. And and um, I think, you know, me listening to a lot of podcasts of other fighters lately and, um, you know, just uh, successful individual individuals, I'm realizing that it's a characteristic that, you yeah. know, we all share. Um, so if I could give some advice on it, especially to younger girls, you know, um, you kind of know when you're being hard on yourself. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can do anything about it because our emotions are kind of you know, they're already in, they're set, you know, how you are is how you are, but just try to take a minute and, and love yourself, you know, give yourself a little bit of credit. You know, I, I might be what's hypocritical over here. Cause I mean, it's hard for me too, but yeah. it's very important. Very important. No, I, I'm the exact same. I'm the exact same way, you know, um, no matter what I do, I always go, yeah, but I could have done better. Yeah, but I could have done better. You know, Oh, you got, um, 10,000 downloads. Okay. Now we need to get to 20. Okay. Now we need to get to 30 and so on and so forth. But I think you did say something really, really important there. And that is to really listen when a loved one, someone in your spirit of influence that you truly care about, you respect when they tell you, you do good, it take a minute and breathe and accept that compliment. Um, I actually think it happened to me not too long ago. I think um, you and I actually have a mutual friend or mutual acquaintance. Do you know uh, Patrick uh, Payan of Rise Muay Thai? Yes, I do. He's my teammate. So he's he's my he's my Muay Thai coach. So I go to awesome. his gym, and you know him and I. He's been on the podcast a couple times, but you know he said something to me the other day, and he said it in a you know Pat for those of you that listen to the couple episodes that he's on. He's the most fun loving, upbeat, smiley guy. And it's the first time that he ever was 
you could tell he was serious because he would give me a compliment and I I would go, no, 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 I did, did that wrong. And then the other day he goes, so when are you and your wife going to have kids? And I said, the last thing this world needs is another Josh Canuti. I'll tell you that much right now. And he goes, listen, he goes, I don't want to hear that anymore. Hey, you want to berate yourself? You do that outside of the gym, but don't do this in my gym anymore. Do you understand? And I let, went home and I was like, I like really appreciate that. And I didn't realize that I did that so much to myself. I'm, and for those of you listening, when someone gives you a compliment and you don't accept it, you're taking away something from them. They're doing something good for you, and they want the feeling of you feeling good. And if you don't give that to them, it's almost rude of you to do it. It's rude of me to do that. So I think have you said it perfectly. Having people around you and listening to them when they say you did well, internalize it. Take a breath. I think it's so, so crucial. So I, I think you hit something right on the head there. So I know we're cruising up on time. I know you got some traveling coming up, but before I get to my last, just couple questions, you want to tell everybody uh, where they can find you, anything that you got going on, social media, websites, all that stuff. May at Ashley MMA, um, A S H L E E M M A, and um, I actually have a new podcast that I would like to uh, promote as well. It's uh, the first episode is about to be released next week. It is an MMA related podcast, but um, kind of unique in the sense that we talk to high level fighters about their romance, dating, love and sex life. Um, so uh, that you can find that it's sex and violence at rebelgirl.com. Awesome. Oh, my bad. Sex. It's on Instagram. Sex and violence with rebel girl. All spelled out. Okay, and that's on Instagram. It's going to be on iTunes and Spotify and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it'll be on iTunes, and I'm not sure about Spotify, but it's co- like uh, it's about to be released. So if you follow that page, I'm going to start uh, updating it every day with uh, where you can listen and all that. Okay, so I actually have just three last questions for you. Full uh-huh. disclosure, um, one of them is really stupid, but I got to have you put this stupid argument to uh, to rest. But before I get that. What would you rather be? Would you rather be a drummer rock star for bands like AFI or Dress for the Occasion or UFC champion? Oh, I mean, come on. I love music and I always get, I always get the question, if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? And I always say, oh, I'd be a rock star, you know, yeah. but um, to be a champion would mean that, um, you know, the majority of my life's training has paid off. So a champion without a doubt. Awesome. And this is the stupid question, but I want you to finally put this debate to rest. So I have this question that comes up every fucking time I have all of my beer drinking, pizza uh, eating buddies over for the UFC fight. And I maintain that these girls, including yourself and anybody there, would beat the living fuck out of my buddies sitting home on the couch. So seeing that you've actually fought men before, wrestled men before, and won multiple times— in your opinion, somebody of mine that's athletic but no training whatsoever, who's going to win in a fight, you or them? I'm, I mean, it sounds conceited, I guess, but I'm for sure going to pick myself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, you're going to fuck them up. I am convinced that the average fighter in Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, boxing, the average person in the gym that has at least a couple years under your belt is going to be the average human being with no training. Regardless yes. of gender, I think it's going to happen every single time. And and the thing is, is when you get into the gym and you have somebody kick the bag that knows how to kick the bag, and then they leave a bruise, they leave a bruise on your thigh with a kick shield and they have shin guards on, 
you go, well, holy shit, this, there's levels to this thing. So <laughs> Exactly. To all my beer drinking buddies, you know who you are. You just heard it from Fleet UFC fighter herself. You're going to get <laughs> fucked up. And then just ending on, on the last question, then I'll let you go. And like I said, thank you again for taking the time to do this. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. It's a crazy time, but I really do appreciate it. The last question is, how do you build your self-worth? Build my self-worth. You know, like we talked about earlier, that's a great question. And I, I don't think I do it often enough because I, I tend to get very down, especially as I'm in deep fight camp, because I tend not to look at the positives and only the negatives. But what I've realized, what I've started doing this year, my new transformative mentality, mm-hmm. um, is to try and focus on what you can control and not what you can't. Um, and in that process, all the worrying and all that um, kind of slips away because you realize you have a lot of power over the things you can control and the things you can't control, you can't control it. So you know what? There's no point of putting your energy into that. Mm. So um, when I start thinking about myself, whether it's my physical you know, appearance or my skill set, all that, I start you know, making these goals and these plans. And I'm a, I'm a very meticulous planner and like a note, you know, maker, a list maker, all that. Um, so as soon as I start kind of accomplishing these little things, whether it's, you know, my daily tasks or training hard or, you know, losing a few pounds, I start feeling and realizing that like, I am a go-getter. I am a, you know, um, like I get things done mm-hmm. and, and that those things, those physical tasks, um, that starts to make me feel accomplished. And then my self-worth starts building. So it sucks that I can't just sit here and be like, okay, let me think about all the great things about myself. Yeah. Like I have to actually physically do something and, and then I feel accomplished. And because I, I don't think that we should expect anything. Nothing is promised. You know, some of us have been given, yes. you know, dealt, you know, a crappier hand mm-hmm. and some of us have been given a golden spoon. What's done is done. There is no need to dwell on that. You got to do what you got to do to be happy. And in order to be happy, I need to put food on the table. I need to take care of myself. And so we got to make a plan. That's the first thing. And we got to execute it. And when I start making, when I start achieving these things, I realize I'm, I'm going to be just fine because yeah. You know, so I have self-worth when I get things done, if that makes sense. Yep, 100%. Now, I think you said that beautifully. What a uh, awesome way to end a an awesome conversation. So, like I said, you are a an amazing person, a overcomer in so many different areas. I appreciate your time. I know this is an odd kind of thing that we're going in. So, for you to take the time, I really do appreciate it. And we'll be rooting for you next time that you're on the UFC stage. And then maybe after you become champion, we can do this again. Of course. Anytime, <laughs> anytime. And, you know, um, if you could please send me the information to that, uh, like, uh, peer games or something like that, yep. I'd like to check that out. Yep. You got it. No problem at all. Great. Um, all right. All right. Thank everybody, you so much. You got it. Thanks. Remember, be kind to yourself. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Ashley Evans-Smith. I do appreciate it. And thank you so much to our sponsors, Onnit. Go over to onnit.com slash O-C-Y and save up to 10% on, on your health and wellness needs.